0: Good morning, New Hope to everyone here in the room, to everyone online. Uh, We are jumping right in. Uh, I want to give you an update about the building expansion, okay? I told you last week a little bit about it. Uh, For those that maybe weren't here or didn't hear, just a couple of quick uh, things. Uh, We are expanding on the the plot of land behind us. We're building a worship center and a kid's wing. Uh, You've probably seen the rendering. We showed it last week uh, as well. And uh, we're really, really excited about the progress that's being made behind the scenes uh, this week uh, no kidding a helicopter landed on the pad back here and like people were like is that part of the b-? you know <laughs> what why do you need that well that was actually AEP they had this huge like saw that they had underneath the helicopter and it was cutting the trees away from the power lines and whatnot so it wasn't related but still we're making good progress and um, uh, they, they they had asked can we land in the field and I said absolutely for you know, a, a small donation of a million bucks or something like that, you know. Well, no. But um, yeah, so we are uh, we are making progress. We've ordered the steel, we told you last week, which will be delivered this summer. Uh, we are almost at $600,000 toward our 800000 in commitments, so right on pace. We have the rest of this year uh, to give toward that. And uh, I think that we're going to blow past that $800,000, and uh, that will be hugely helpful because... I want to mention a little bit more this week. uh, We told you back in September that this is a two-phased project now. Uh, This is because of COVID. This is because of our lender. Um, They reduced the amount of money that we were able to borrow because that's what all lenders are doing right now. Uh, So uh, in the next picture, I'll I'll just show you uh, the interior look and, and explain the two parts. Uh, phase one is going to be the entire exterior of the building, the necessary groundwork, and we're going to finish the worship center and auditorium, or the worship center, which is the auditorium, and the lobby. There we go. And um, then uh, in phase two, we'll be able to finish the kids wing, the other site work uh, that we want to do, and then some upgrades to this building uh, here, etc. So uh, the the resources that you are giving are making a tangible difference in our progress and they will affect uh, how quickly we can get to phase two as well as when covid clears and our lenders are willing to go back uh, to the drawing board on on the size of that loan so keep praying with us keep praying for us and uh, next week like i told you we're going to give you a flyer so that that's been being prepared and next week we'll give you that flyer that you can put on your fridge and it'll show you some of the progress that we're going to be making. It'll be a prayer prompt and reminder uh, to pray for the project this year. I uh, talked to our builder again this week. They, they said, we are on track to have this building finished by the end of the year, and uh, likely we'll be getting a certificate of occupancy, probably planning a big grand opening ceremony in January uh, of 2022. So we're, we're right there. This is happening, and uh, we're, we're very excited. Uh, so as we jump in today to this new series, uh, I was doing a little bit of research, and I found a few interesting things that I wanted to share with you. There's this genre uh, that has risen in popularity in the last few years. I mean, it, it, it has become all the rage, all right, that people are talking about it, people are watching it, people are reading it. Uh, it's the genre that's called true crime, all right. Maybe you've heard of the true crime. Uh, there, there are TV series, uh, documentaries, podcasts, books, all, all sorts of things. And just to illustrate how popular this has become, I wanted to share a few interesting uh, facts with you. So, in 2014, Serial is a podcast that launched, and it became the first podcast in history to go to uh, and the fastest to go to five million downloads in streams. It was the the fastest in iTunes history. Uh, In 2018, uh, print material is what we're talking about here. Um, There were 1.6 million print copies of true crime books uh, sold, and that was double, almost double the amount that was sold in 2016, two years earlier. Um, There are 2,800 true, podca- true crime podcasts available uh, if you're interested. Uh, there's plenty out there. And then, um, of course, last year, it feels like so long ago, right? But uh, last year when the pandemic hit, uh, Netflix just so happened to be releasing a new docuseries. And in the first 10 days, this docuseries received 34 million unique views, and within a month, that jumped up to 64 million views. And do you know which series I'm talking about? March of last year, pandemic. Go back. Tiger King. Did anyone say Tiger King? I don't know. Okay. It was Tiger King. All right. I don't know. Maybe you saw it. Maybe you didn't. But um, this, this series, this genre is, is just hugely popular. Now, do you know, can you guess with whom, what, what population of people is true crime most popular? Anybody? Help me out here. Oh, I hear like grunts, like cavemen and cave women. <laughs> what, what, what demographic, what gender do you think? Female. <laughs> Thank you, Bobby. <laughs> it's so true. So 75% of listeners to true crime podcasts are ladies, all right? So ladies, you love this stuff. I haven't heard a podcast yet, so I, oh, that's why I, I'm blaming it on that, but um, there was actually, too, an event that was created, I'm, you can't make this up, it's called CrimeCon, all right, it's like ComicCon, but it's for crime, and they would go and solve, like, work on cold cases, all right, 80% of the people that have attended CrimeCon are female, and it's just like, this genre is just blowing, people love it, and uh, there's all kinds of speculation about why, and, um, and there's also some controversy related uh, to this genre, you can imagine. There's controversy about everything, right? You do anything and people are upset. But um, there, there's some concern about how it portrays the victims or, or the killers uh, and how it can reopen uh, wounds for people that, that uh, are trying to heal and uh, live with the loss that they've experienced. But what I'd like to do uh, over the next several weeks is I would like to look at one of the most incredible stories in the history of humanity. And I want to take several weeks to look at what were the factors, what were the pieces, who were the players, what were the reasons that culminated in the death of Jesus Christ. And in order to to launch into this, the fact that Jesus died on the cross, and, and in order to begin this discussion, we have to go all the way back to The beginning. Uh, The reason is because uh, you read through the Gospels and you see time and time again people are trying to to kill Jesus, right? So when we think about this phrase, the plot against Jesus, I immediately think of the Pharisees. For example, Matthew chapter 12, verse 14 says this But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Um, Mark chapter 3 tells a similar story. Jesus healed on the Sabbath. And uh, so this happens early in his ministry. It happens often in his ministry. People are scheming against Jesus. And so I want to begin asking the questions, what was it about this man, his teachings, what he did, what was it that led to Jesus actually being crucified? Why would people kill a man whose chief message was love? What was it that Jesus did? And in order to answer this question, we have to go all the way back To the beginning. Because in Genesis chapter 3, we're let in on this extremely important factor that led to the death of Jesus. Uh, If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Genesis 3. As you do, Genesis chapter 1 and 2 are where God creates the heavens and the earth, God creates humanity, all things that we know. We are living in the garden with God. Everything is right. There is no sin. There is no death. Everything is perfect. And we have a right relationship with our Father. We walk with Him in the cool of the garden. That, that, that was Adam and Eve's experience. But then in Genesis 3, they are tempted. Adam and Eve are tempted by the serpent. Genesis 3.1 says that the serpent was crafty. He, he was cunning. He was able to, to tempt and lure the first humans away from God. This is, this is the start of sin entering into the world. The, the first humans, they eat from the tree that God said don't eat from. And because of that, they know good and evil. They have sinned, and now the consequence will be death. God said, you will surely die. Now, there's so much that we could talk about related to Satan, related to temptation. Um, but suffice to say, sin and death entered into the world, and we have all felt the effects Since Genesis chapter 3, we have all felt the effects of sin and death. Just this last week, um, I had to go to the eye doctor, and it's because as I approach 40 years old, my uh, vision isn't quite what it used to be. And so uh, I I go in to get it checked, and slowly but surely, our sight, it begins to age and, and over time, you know, we have to get glasses so we can read. And so one of these days when I get around to it, when I humble myself enough, I'll wear some glasses and be able to actually read what I, what's in my Bible, get a larger print. But we have felt the effects of sin and suffering and death in this life. Also this week, uh, we lost two beloved brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, Mr. Bob Vier, 92 years old, passed away uh, Mrs. Lemonson, 99 years old, uh, passed away. She, she, was, she was still coming every week in a wheelchair right here, second service, sitting next to Mike and Vicki. And uh, these two saints of the faith, they were an encouragement. They, they were an inspiration to me. They were full of the joy of the Lord, and I want that to be my legacy and, and yours as well. We've all experienced suffering and death because of sin entering in the world. And... There's a, there's a passage, a key verse, Genesis chapter three, verse 15, that I, I don't want you to miss because this begins the plot against Jesus. God is speaking to the serpent and he's cursing the serpent for what he did. And here's the, the second half of the curse. It says, and I, God, will put enmity. This is opposition or hostility. I will put enmity between you and and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. So we see this battle that begins: God on one side, Satan on the other. In particular, God says it's, it's Eve against Satan; it's Eve's children against Satan's children, and and it's the fact that one of the children of Eve will crush the head of the serpent while the serpent strikes the heel that is on the head of that serpent. And this is where it all begins, the plot against Jesus. Because Satan, the evil one, the serpent, he begins to thwart the plans of God by going after the children of Eve. We see this right out of the gate. For example, Adam and Eve have children, right? They're removed from the Garden of Eden, and in Genesis chapter 4, they have children. Their first two sons are Cain and Abel. Cain, Eve names Cain, and his name means striker, all right? You know what she's thinking about, right? I had a son, and my seed is going to crush the head of the stinking serpent that kicked us out of the garden, It's his fault anyway. So, uh, Stryker is here. I'm ready for him to do his work. Let's let's get on with this and get things back to the way that they're supposed to be. And then she has a second son. And she names him Abel, which, (laughs) poor guy, his name means useless. (laughs) Right? I mean, like, self-confidence, self-esteem, gone, right? (laughs) There, There wasn't a need for him because Cain, Stryker, God had already answered the prayer. He was going to do the thing. And so Abel was just going to hang out. But you know what happened. The enemy, the devil, went to thwart the plan of God and the people of God. And so Cain is tempted. They both offer a sacrifice. One's acceptable, one's not. Cain is angry. And ultimately, Cain goes and kills his brother. Abel Stryker lives up to his name, but he kills the wrong guy. And so he kills his own flesh and blood, Abel, and now he is banished. And then there's a third son that's born to Eve. So Eve now no longer has children. She's given birth again, and and the third son is named Seth, all right? (laughs) Yours truly. Um, Seth means appointed or uh, to be put into place, a substitute. Now, Seth, her hope is that, that he would fight the evil one and crush his head for, for whatever it's worth by the way I got into one fight in school it was in middle school fist fight and I, I'm not making this up um, his name was Cain <laughs> um, two punches you know I was a good kid but he was the bully uh, we ended up in detention and they were, they were not surprised about him in detention, but um, maybe a little about me. Anyway, uh, I'll tell you that story another time, but, um, you know, one, one fist fight. So Cain, Abel, Seth, and then if you trace this throughout the scriptures, what you find is that time and time again, Satan, the evil one, is trying to thwart the plan of God by going after the children of Eve. Satan is after the promised Messiah, his heritage, his lineage, him, himself. This passage of Scripture, Genesis 3.15, it's hard to over, uh, overstate its importance. In fact, uh, throughout history, people have referred to this passage as proto-evangelion. Uh, the, that's the Greek phrase, which means the first gospel. Uh, or there's the Latin phrase, it's a little more popular, proto Evangelium, which is... Uh, the first gospel, the first good news. And what this shows us is that God, from the moment that we were sinful, from the moment that we experienced guilt and shame and fear, from the moment we had rebelled against him and broken our fellowship with the creator of the world, he had a plan to redeem humanity to save us because of his great love for each and every one of us. And immediately when we sin, God shows up with grace. In fact, in Genesis chapter 3, if you're still there, look down in verse 21 just to push this a little further. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. After Adam and Eve sinned, they realized they were naked. They felt shame. They hid from God. God pursues them. And after he speaks the curse to them, that then he offers them clothing. He, he begins to solve the problem that they now knew by offering skin. Where did God get that skin? It was the first sacrifice. It was the first bloodshed. The first death occurred because God sacrificed an animal to make clothing so that he could clothe the people who had rebelled against him. This is who God is. This is still who God is for you and for me. So we can trace the the lineage of Adam and Eve all throughout the Old Testament. If we had hours, we could go into all of this. I'll just give you the quickest overview uh, that I know how. The serpent, he started to go after Eve and her children, right? Right? So God begins narrowing down for humanity and for the devil who would bring about the birth of this Messiah, this promised one that would crush Satan's head. And uh, he he gives him this great tip in the beginning. It's, he will be born of woman. (laughs) Oh, that really narrows it down. Okay, but then we go a little bit further and there's the story of Noah and the flood. Noah has three children, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Japheth. The lineage of Shem, that's where the Messiah will come from is what we're told. A little bit later, Genesis 12, we learn that it's going to be through Abraham and his offspring. So that was the nation of Abraham, the Hebrew people. And then Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the three great patriarchs of our faith. And then Jacob's name is changed to Israel. There are 12 sons, 12 tribes of Israel. God then reveals that the scepter will not leave Judah. It was through the line of Judah and his family that that Messiah would be born. And then we find out it's through the root or the stump of Jesse. And then finally, the house of David. And what we can do as, as we look at this lineage, we can go back and see how Satan, the evil one, he begins to try to take out all along throughout the Old Testament, take out the lineage, take out the people who could bring about the birth of God's son that was going to crush his head. And that brings us all the way to Jesus himself, Jesus in the flesh. And there are a couple of examples I want to share just quickly because God becomes human. God puts on flesh, In his son Jesus. And then we begin to see clearly how the enemy is going to do direct combat with God in the flesh. And it happens first in Matthew chapter 2. Down in verse 13, we read this When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. This is Joseph and Mary, parents of Jesus, in a dream. Get up, he said, and take the child and his mother and escape. To Egypt, Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. From the time that Jesus is born, his life is at stake. It's in jeopardy because the evil one is pursuing the line of Jesus. He wants to take out the promise that God had given to all of humanity. And then in two chapters, Matthew 4 Jesus is baptized, the heavens open up, the dove descends, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, and Jesus goes into the wilderness, he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights, and then Satan and Jesus battle it out in the wilderness. If we had time, I'd read the whole temptation narrative, but there are three times that Jesus is tempted. Satan says, hey, turn these stones into bread, and Jesus says, no, no, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, he responds to the temptation by quoting scripture and then satan the crafty the cunning tempter he in the second one he takes him up on top of the temple he says throw yourself down for the angels won't let you strike your foot he quotes scripture back at god misquotes and then jesus responds do not put the lord your god to the test again overcoming the temptation. And the final and third temptation in this instance was he takes him up high and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. He says, if you will bow down and worship me, I'll give you all that your eye can see. And Jesus responds, worship the Lord your God and him only. And then Satan leaves and the angels attend to Jesus and again, Jesus has won this battle as Satan and God and his people go back and forth. and then ultimately the last example is that Jesus goes to the cross and that's where Satan thought I may have lost these battles but I think I've won the war when the son of God is put to death on the cross he's arrested he's betrayed he's falsely tried he's beaten and then as he's on the cross darkness covers the face of the earth and it's at that moment Satan thinks I got my punch in I may have actually finally done it. But the only problem (laughs) was that three days later, Jesus would raise from the dead. And in doing so, he conquered sin, and he conquered death, and he conquered the evil one and the evil forces of this world. And Jesus Christ was victorious in the plot of evil against himself. And it's because of that that you and I today that we can have hope. But before we go there, I want to share a little bit about this story that we've been discussing. This epic story between God and humanity, between uh, good and evil, between Eve and her children and the serpent. Did you know this, that the Bible is the best-selling book in history? You've probably heard that before. It It was termed that by the Guinness Book of World Records who estimate that there are over 5 billion copies of the Bible that have been sold. Right, those, those are the ones that have been purchased. And it's hard to track these numbers because um, you know, there are a lot of translations of the Bible. There are many churches and organizations that buy bulk copies and distribute them. But their best guess, 5 billion copies sold. In 2016, though, uh, that, that's not the only way to get a Bible. On your phone and mine, I've I've downloaded the Bible app for free. And in 2016, the Bible app, which people can download for free on a smartphone, it reached a quarter of a billion downloads. right, 250 million downloads in over 1,000 different languages. Scriptures, the story of God, the epic battle between these two forces that we've been talking about. I learned that Bible societies... They have distributed, since 2015, they have distributed 1.8 billion pieces of scripture. Maybe a verse or a book or or just the New Testament or the whole Bible. I mean, that is a lot of scripture, the best story ever told in the history of humanity. Uh, There's also a film, uh, the Jesus film, maybe you've heard about it, and it was uh, made in